Hey everyone, Mario Barecki here, and I am known as the Conversation Guy. I'm also the founder of MediaMar, and at MediaMar, we help thought leaders craft and distribute conversations that convert. I believe everything starts with a conversation. I believe conversations are the most powerful way to create connections, to create relationships, and to create opportunities with each other. So everything has a basis in conversation. And on this podcast that you're about to listen to, I'm going to have 10-minute conversations with thought leaders to do just that, create relationships, create opportunity, but more importantly, to convey value, value from them and their perspective and how they operate on a daily basis, and to really tell a story that can bring some value and positivity tips, tricks, ideas, what have you, to your life to make it better. So sit back, relax, buckle in. It's going to be a wild ride. I know those things don't quite go together. Sit back, relax, and buckle in. But it's going to be a lot of fun, and we're going to get the conversation started right now. And as always, don't forget, if you like what you hear, please rate and review our podcast. It is my honor and privilege to bring back onto the line Brian Clayton, Brian is the CEO and co-founder of GreenPal, which is an online marketplace that connects homeowners with local lawn care professionals. GreenPal has been called the Uber for lawn care by Entrepreneur Magazine and has over 100,000 active users, completing thousands of transactions per day. You can find more about Brian and GreenPal at yourgreenpal.com. That is the website, which is really cool, by the way. So I highly suggest you go there and check out what he's doing, especially if you need some lawn care. I mean, it's so easy. If There's like three steps. And you can have tons of quotes within the first step for people local there. Come cut your grass and take care of your lawn, which is super cool. Brian, welcome back, my friend. Hey, awesome to be here. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, I had so much fun chatting in the last episode about culture and small business and you know, growing a business, selling a business, all that fun stuff. But another thing I mentioned that I want to kind of lead off with is bootstrapping. I know you're a big fan of it. I'm a big fan of it. And as I was saying to you, kind of in between shows as we were talking about this, you know, I feel like the skill set of raising funding and the skill set of actually generating profit and revenue are two different skill sets. And I think that, you know, it's the other thing that I look at, and I'd love to hear your take on all of this, is that it's way easier to spend someone else's money than it is to spend your own when you generate it. So I, I'm a huge fan of starting at zero. It's proof of concept, number one, because if you can generate revenue, that proves your concept. And it allows you to actually create a business that has systems and processes that are built around the revenue that you're actually generating from doing the work that you do. So I love it. And I know that you do too. So I can't wait to hear what you have to say about bootstrapping. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of bootstrapping. It's it's part of my ethos and methodology for building and, and selling businesses. Now I'm a second, you know, building in my first company, I, I went from zero to, to $10 million in revenue with no debt, no outside investors. And now my second business, GreenPile, we've gone from zero to 20 million in revenue with, with, with no debt or no investors. So I'm, I'm a fan of it, but it is hard. And I'm also not the kind of guy who's going to sit here and tell you that don't take venture capital because I think sometimes there are types of businesses that require it. So it's a nuanced, uh, it's a nuanced answer. Um, and I think there's not one path to success. My opinion is that for most entrepreneurs taking on venture capital and moving quickly is usually a bad bet. Uh, just in my business, you know, uh, green we're called the Uber for lawn care. We're really a marketplace that makes it easy for homeowners to hire a local lawn care service, a touch of a butt. But there was a lot of companies that started out uh, for Uber for home cleaning, Uber for uh, laundry service, Uber for massages, a lot of a lot of other Uber for lawn care type startups. 
that raised a ton of venture capital, billions of dollars collectively, and now are all out of business. And I think about like those startup teams that worked really hard on those ideas for two to some case like seven years and got no no good outcome out of it. And I, I, it's kind of sad. And so a lot of times, you, you know, if you raise outside capital, you need to be willing to sign up for the what I call get rich or die trying methodology, which is you're swinging for the fences. Your chances of success are, are probably one in a hundred and you got, you need to be okay with that. The other thing that I would, uh, I would say that I've learned over the last seven years is that when we look at the tech press or we, we read the wall street journal or, or whatever, and, and we see a, a company raising 10 or 20 or $50 million dollars, or a company that's exiting for $100 million or $500 million, we look at that, we say, ah, oh, man, why can't that happen to me? I want that to be me. But we don't, what we don't really understand is, is a lot of times that, that startup team is already like that CEO, co-founders, they're already like on their second or third or fourth try. Like they have crashed and burned two or three times already. And they have, they have taken the lessons they've learned from those two or three failures and they've applied them to this one that is a win. So it's, it's in a weird way, it's almost like that's the cost of entry to play that game. You're going to have to be willing to crash and burn a couple of times to really learn how to take on capital and deploy it effectively and, and make, it a, make it a good outcome for yourself and your investors uh, because it's, it is, it's really hard. There's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of slippery slopes. To, like, to your point that you mentioned is that it's, it's easy to then build a product that investors love, but not necessarily one that customers love. And, and another another uh, fallacy is that, especially in the early days, if you're a new entrepreneur, you, you orient your team around um, being good at pitching and being good at, at talking to investors and being good at like showing this investable story. And you're not really focusing on your customer. You're not focusing on the product. So especially in the early days, especially for me, it's like it was everything I could do to, to build a product that people wanted to use and to talk to my users and to grow that, I didn't have time to focus all of my bandwidth on reaching out to investors, pitching them, uh, following up with them, like running like almost a sales process on getting you know seed investors uh, and and angel investors on 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 the hook. So for me, like I didn't want to do that. I just wanted to build a business where the revenue funded it. And out of that, I learned that in most cases, revenue is the best form of financing for any business. Yeah, I love that. Revenue is the best form of financing for any business. And to me, it's like, I, just from my experience, it seems like funding for me is more of a scaling strategy than it is a startup strategy. Now, it can be a startup strategy for certain businesses, but for most entrepreneurs who are starting a business, it's like you have to have proof of concept. You have to be able to show, like, if I'm going to invest in a company or in a business, I'm re you're really investing in the owner and or the person who's operating it and you have to know that they have a track record and they're able to make this happen because you know it's not free money it's not, i'm not just going to give you my money and hope for the best it's a calculated decision from an investor's perspective to have a pretty solid idea that they're going to get a return on their investment and so you have to make sure you can show that and so i think that if you're someone who has a business that's been successful that you've grown consistently over a period of time and you want to take it from where it is and really scale it to make it to really make it big or really expand it over a large area then funding may be a good idea 
or something to at least consider because you're in the position to be able to, you know, make good on your promise to the investors. Yeah, really good points. Um, <clears throat> angel investors and those early stage investors, they often they have a uh, an ethos, a methodology. They they say they they bet on the on the jockey, not the horse, meaning that they are just investing in you, your track record, you as an entrepreneur. Um, and if you don't have any wins under your belt, it's going to be really hard. And and so I think in the early days, that really is all you can do. Is this f founder and their team going to be able to pull it together? And that's all you can invest in. Maybe there's a story. Maybe there's 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 some some other validation that you can look at. But a lot of times that is all the, the only thing you can raise money on. And it's really hard to do that. And it's really time consuming. And it takes you away from the one thing you should be doing, which is hacking together some kind of product that you can get 10 damn people to use or 100 or 1,000. And then you're going to learn so much more from that. And maybe you'll make some money. You can pour it back into it. Um, now, that said, uh, the, the other the, on the other hand, is there's other types of ideas and businesses uh, that just require a ton of cash. Like if, you're gonna, if you were going to start a scooter company, you couldn't bootstrap a scooter company. Like you needed... You needed twenty million dollars to go buy a bunch of scooters and, and and just airdrop them all over whatever city you were going to try to validate the concept in. So I get that. Like, there's some businesses you're going to have to raise a bunch of money. Like, and, and there's just no way around that. And a lot of times, the, the the type of founder that's best suited for that type of capital intense, like high stakes business, is probably one that's got a couple wins under their belt. I don't know that you're going to just come out of of high school or college and just you know out the gate start that type of business that needs 10 million bucks just to prove if it's a good idea. You probably need to like start on something that's that you can bootstrap, that you can get to $10,000 a month in revenue and then like like cut your teeth on that and then maybe get a quick win under your belt what they call a single or a double and then go for rate and raise that big type of funding for that big huge idea. I've seen that work um, again, I don't want to go on that path because I think it's an all for nothing go for broke uh, uh, type of journey that usually ends in, in, in tears. And so that's not my, my desire, but, but I, but, but if you, you know, on the other hand, if you look on your phone, uh, you know, every app on that home screen and probably uh, on the first two pages is all, they're all veteran back companies. Most of them came out of the Bay area or, or on the West coast. So you have to like, you, you have to recognize that. Like if, if you want to build a huge billion dollar company, you're probably going to have to raise venture capital. If you want to have a nice, eight or nine figure exit and it's going to take you 10 years to do it bootstrapping it is a much more sure way to get there yeah i love that and my, my question to you is I, this is just a hypothetical but i'll ask it anyway because i'd love to hear the answer when if you can go back in time to when you were starting your first company cutting grass and you know you just got it started maybe you had 10 20 employees and someone came out of the blue and offered to invest you know half a million dollars with you to help you with the company what do you think you would have done at that time I was very naive back then, uh, and I didn't have the scarves that I have now. Oh, man, sadly, I probably would have taken it, and and sadly, I, I probably would still be on a lawnmower to this day. Uh, <laughs> so it's a good thing that didn't happen, because here's what's would have happened. A uh, half million dollars at the time, let's say I was 10 or 20 people or even 50, they would have wanted to have bought a substantial chunk of the business. That means that I probably could not have ran the business the way I wanted to run it. Uh, I ran that business in, uh, in, a, in a very, uh, 
how do I say this? Uh, I, I really shot from the hip a lot. I did a lot of things uh, that were just nimble and, and I was able to, to outwork and out hustle my competition. And so, you know, if you have stakeholders, you're not at liberty to run a business the way you want to run it. And I may have not been able to get that business across the finish line to sell it. It could have worked out okay, but, but uh, maybe not. So for that type of business, especially a traditional landscaping company, it's best to bootstrap it. It's best to just go slow and low, make money, reinvest the money, make more money, repeat. That's it. And and the other thing I would I would point out that a lot it doesn't get talked about a lot uh, is uh, one of my favorite quotes by Mark Cuban. He says, "The less you can live on, the greater your options." That means you as a person, you personally, you need to live in a crappy apartment or a or a very modest home. Your car needs to be paid off. Uh, you need to have no consumer credit card debt. You, 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 like, you need to like pick up a Dave Ramsey book and like love everything he teaches. Like you've got to be able to live on 20 or 30 or 40 grand a year if you're starting a business from scratch and if you're bootstrapping because every dime you make, you cannot pay yourself. You got to put it back into the company. So the first five years, you're going to be working four times as hard as you're accustomed to four times as hard as your, your peers, but you're, you're reinvesting all that money back into the business. That's at least how it's been every company I've started. So uh, a traditional business, an analog type of business is best without investors, in my opinion. It's these tech startups that require a tremendous amount of upfront investment just to figure out if it's a good idea, where the answer is a little more nuanced. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. And I was just curious on, in your younger days, what your what, what your idea would have been to to go and do because i mean i i'm the same way when i was you know when i first started being in the entrepreneurial world when i was in my early 20s i would have loved if someone came out of the woodwork and said here's a check go make this happen but now looking back i'm like that would have been bad i'm glad someone didn't do that it would have been bad yeah. because because you're not just spending money you're spending equity like right. if you take on a million dollars in an investment and you spend it you just like you, you pissed away all like a 30% of your company. And so that's the thing. It's not you're spending a, every hundred dollars you spend is a little chunk of equity. It's how you have to look at it. Yep. I love that. I love that reframe of, you know, look at it as equity, everything you, you right. can create and just go out and keep, you know, keep building it. Brian, thank you so much for being here. Uh, I've loved our conversations, not only on this episode, but on the last episode. I want to remind people, yourgreenpile.com is where they can go find you and see everything you're up to. And I just, I love your concept and what you're building. And I appreciate you. And I'm looking forward. Let's do this again soon. Awesome. Had a ball. Hey, everyone. I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the podcast. It really means a lot to me. Conversations are what I thrive on. It's something that I believe is so important for each and every one of us to have conversations that matter, to have conversations that connect us, to create relationships with each other. So the conversation that I have with the guests that are on the show, the conversations that the guests and I create to have with you are equally important and a great way for you to have conversations with us is to rate and review the podcast. So if you could go to Apple Podcasts, go to wherever you listen to your podcasts and rate and review this, it is much appreciated. And you can always find us 
at MediaMario.com. If you go to MediaMario.com, you can find all the things there. If you want to connect with the guests that I had on today or guests that I've had on the show in the past, you can go to MediaMario.com and get their information. If you want to connect with me and have a conversation with me, I welcome that. All my social links everywhere that you can find me all over the web is at MediaMario.com. So go there, visit us, connect with us. I'd love to have conversations with you. I hope you found value in today's show, and I can't wait to bring you the next conversation on the next episode of The Conversation Guy. Until then, have a wonderful day, and we'll talk to you real soon.